0: Five reasons why writing content that's genuinely relevant beats targeting high volume keywords with Ila Hughes. The in Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all in one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How important is it to target keywords with a high search volume? Today, I'm chatting with a lady who has an ability to headstand and yoga, who believes that writing content that is genuinely relevant will often beat targeting high volume keywords. She's talked to Brighton SEO on the topic of planning content strategies where there's no search volume, and she's currently an SEO account director at Tug. Welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Ida Hughes. Hey,
1: David. <laughs> nice to meet
0: you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, you can find show over at tugagency.com. Um, so, Eilish how do you persuade a client to target keywords with no measurable search volume
1: slowly <laughs>
0: <laughs> you
1: can see um, if you say to someone this is this keyword is really relevant to you and um, according to google who is the oracle of all information um, no one's searching for it at all um, it doesn't really sound that attractive to someone who's going to be paying for people to write that content and paying for people to manage that content and um, So it is about having a really good business case and understanding the brand and showing that you understand the client and who their audience are. So it really helps to have already had some content go live for them, have already tried maybe some higher volume um, content strategies and be able to say, look, traffic might be coming in. But is this really converting? So it's really good to be able to say, look, we've tried the traditional way and the old school way of going after higher volumes. Now let's try something different. Let's really get into the data and let's try and like see what people are actually searching for. And I think it's always really useful. And I think clients find it quite interesting when I show them the difference between the impressions that you see on Google Search Console versus what the search volumes um, that Google gives you are. Because um, there might be a keyword that is really, really niche. Um, that Google is just thinking, I can't be bothered to register search volume for this because it's not that important um, You know, in the world where people are searching for black ankle boots a thousand times a day. Um, but then to be able to show them that actually in terms of like your website, in terms of, you know, your little corner of the internet, this is actually getting you know 500 impressions every month. And when you're maybe making two conversions a month, but those two conversions are worth 50 grand each, that's where you start to see where the money is.
0: Yeah, I love what, what you're doing here because, uh, I mean, I thought years ago um, when Google started withdrawing keyword data from Google Analytics, that um, it was obviously withholding certain information. It was, uh, I I thought, um, trying to perhaps even encouraging people to use paid search as opposed to SEO because there wasn't all the data available to SEOs. And uh, obviously, people think that if data isn't available, then something doesn't exist, but that isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, so are you approaching it from the perspective of the da- you know the data isn't available and you know but the, the the search volume is there, or are you also talking about keyword phrases that um, perhaps are going to have search volume but don't have search volume yet because a particular product or service yeah. hasn't launched yet?
1: Yeah, definitely both. Um, so on the one side, there is where Google just isn't giving you any data on it. But then there is the other side where if you are at the forefront of product development, if there's something that you know people don't know they need yet, um, obviously there's not going to be any search volume around it because people aren't searching it yet. I mean, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, was anyone really searching for oat milk? I wasn't. But it, it was a thing that was slowly being developed. So if I was working at, you know, an unnamed really cool um, oat milk company, I wouldn't just not create content around my product because I wasn't searched for you. You have to believe that people will eventually start searching for you and um, And make sure that you have those landing pages, make sure that you have that FAQ content and everything for when people do realize that actually oat milk is delicious and they do want to search and learn more about it.
0: And of course, the wonderful thing about creating content first is that um, you're giving yourself the initial opportunity to get mm-hmm. that notoriety, to develop those links, to give yourself the better opportunity to be that long-term authoritative piece of content for that particular keyword phrase?
1: Exactly, and we know that you know the longer your content's up, the more people are going to see it. You can tweak it, you can refine it, you can build on it, and um, it's never never shy away from creating that piece of content if you think it's too soon, because you're just saving yourself work in the long term against competitors who might pick you to the post
0: okay so today we're sharing your five reasons why writing content that's genuinely mm-hmm. re- relevant uh, beats targeting high volume keywords so starting off with to write truly great content you need to really know what you're talking about
1: yeah so i think this is this should be the foundation of all all seo um, content and all content marketing is you can only really write about what you know um you know I was watching a musical the other day called, um, Tick Tick Boom. It's great. And, um, the, the, the creator of the musical was told by so many people your musicals aren't doing very well because you're writing about things that you don't really know write about what you know and it will be amazing and that is true for authors it's true for marketers it's true for comedians um if you're you know if you're a home security software company and you want to really grow your audience base you you can't just start writing about home decor yeah you both have home <laughs> you're both to do with houses bricks and mortar but do you really know what colors are in fashion now? Do you really know how to, you know, put a throw on and crafty chop a pillow? Um, leave that to the home decor people. Let them write the content about that. Let them put that into the Google sphere. And you just write about what you know, because no one's going to be able to write about, you know, home security systems as well as a home security company.
0: So are the days of outsourcing content writing to big uh, generic content production houses for $10 for a 500 word article finished.
1: Oh, that's spicy. Um I wouldn't want to put anyone out of a job. <laughs> Definitely not. I think it is it's just the case of that if, you know, you are one of those big companies who does have lots of content writers, you need to make sure that into the time that you're you're giving, you're, you're allocating to those projects, you need to give your writers the time. To do the research you need to give them time to talk to the subject matter experts at the client side so it may be the case that 10 pounds an hour isn't enough for truly great content and your content writer should be being paid for not just you know the, the words they write but also their brain power and their thoughts and their research time as well so yeah i do think that there does need to be a more considered approach to content creation
0: yeah absolutely completely agree i, I mean i love Um, more progressive ways of producing content such as doing a live stream or doing a podcast and then maybe producing something as a result of doing that. And you can produce many blog articles from that thought leader as a result of doing that. So you don't necessarily need to take people's time to write all the articles themselves personally.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's more fun as well, talking to people and going back over things and getting under the skin of something. It's just a more enjoyable experience. And we should all be trying to enjoy our jobs. <laughs> so make it make it better.
0: <laughs> and your second reason is when reaching out to build links, think of the relevance of the whole site.
1: Yeah, so link building is so competitive. We've got a um, dedicated outreach team at Tug and they're amazing and they work so hard and it is just becoming a, a really competitive environment. And, you know, gone, I guess, are the days where it's a bit of a quid pro quo, get a link. And, you know, Google is being much, much, stricter on the kinds of links that you can build. And people who are at the receiving end of the the link building emails are a bit like, well, why am I going to take 20 minutes out of my day to put a link to your website? I mean, what is the real value for me? So you really need to be offering something that is truly relevant and is going to, you know, that person who's going to be going into the CMS or having to get sign off for that link so they can ha- be able to say this website's really good. People from our website who go to this website potentially are going to have a positive experience and so they're not going to be annoyed that they've been sent off. You know, they've clicked, they are on a travel website. And they've clicked onto a link that is about all the best restaurants in um, Italy. But then they see that this website they've clicked on isn't to do with Italy. It's not really to do with restaurants. It's um, to do with plants. And they might think, well, what do these plant people know about restaurants in Italy? (laughs) So (laughs) you need to just always be thinking at the end of the day that it is that everything we do as much as it's about algorithms and bots and ranks, and it's all about humans, and it's humans who are emailing each other and talking to each other, and it's humans who are experiencing in the web.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a great point there. Um, if someone is proud of, if a blogger is proud of the content that they're creating, um, why would they want to link to you if you're completely irrelevant for the, for their target audience? So you, you've got to be thinking about that kind of stuff as well. I remember starting off with uh, link, link building way back in about 2004 or so. And back then, um, I used to build, build link directories um, of any generic random products on my own website as a simple way to swap links. Obviously that doesn't work. nowadays, it isn't a silly way to do things, but it's a way to emphasize that, um, you know, you need to think of, uh, the relevance of the, the listener, of the relationship that you're trying to build with the, um, prospective link partner or person that's going to link to you. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's crazy if you don't think of individuals and you just think of search engines.
1: Exactly.
0: And thirdly, internal links are key.
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of wish I'd put this one first or last um, because to me it is one of the most important things you can do um, to improve the ranks of your site, to um, to give people a positive experience, to, to pass that juicy link juice um, through the site um, because they... They are build your content um, pillars, they build your silos, they tell people, you know, this is the most important page on my website about this topic, but all of these things are all related to it and you can go around the houses and click and read everything, but then you can also diverge and digress and find interlinked topics as well. And so that's so important. And if you think of internal links like that, it really makes you think about where your proposed piece of content is going to sit. Because if you have to sit down and think, right, I'm writing a piece of content. I need this piece of content to be able to boost and link to the things I'm trying to sell or the things I'm trying to convey in a really meaningful way, not just in a, and thank you for reading this article, please click through to this product page and buy our things. That's rubbish. Um, Google doesn't like it. People don't like it. Um, I don't like it. And <laughs> So you need to think of it like that. And you also need to think about, well, this piece of content can't just link to that product page because that's really salesy and it's not a good user experience and it's not that relevant. It needs to link off to other articles as well you know this needs to talk about other solutions that we offer and when you start asking yourself those questions and being really honest with yourself you might realize that the content isn't that relevant or that it needs a new hook or a new angle to make it fit into your content ecosystem.
0: Okay Um, so a big conversation could be had about internal links um, such as the hierarchy perhaps of internal links Mm -hmm. and whether or not you need to be incorporating internal links within the content or if it's sufficient perhaps to have it in some kind of uh, footer or, or, or other section of your page and also whether or not it's important to incorporate keyword phrases within internal links. Well, what are your general thoughts about that?
1: I always approach it as you um, want to have internal links, high number, where relevant, not being spammy, to the pages that you want to rank. Um, you want it to be keyword focused as long as it makes sense. You don't want, if you have a page on cupcakes, you don't want every single internal link to that page being cupcakes, because that is, it's really lazy. Um, And I don't think you'll be able to find that many relevant, nice flowing links that contain the word cupcake to that site. I think that a good way to think about it is if you were reading an article, I actually think the Guardian do this really well. um, You're reading an article and you come to a bit where you don't actually know that much about this sentence and you've been following it, but you're like, oh, oh, there's this background to this subject. Um, I don't know. Oh, th- okay, let me click on this. This might give me the background to it. And then you can then learn more about it and then, okay, great. Now I can either go off and read something else or finish my coffee break, or I can go back to that original article. But you felt that what you've landed on is relevant and it has enhanced your experience of the site. You've not just landed on some random cupcake page.
0: <laughs> and your fourth reason is blogs are part of the entire funnel of your marketing.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm really lucky that when I started in SEO, um, I started at a company called GoUp and we're really content focused. and We always really thought about blogs and the user and, you know, obviously everywhere I've worked um, is like that. But I think that it was a, a really content heavy um agency who really made you think about blogs you're writing as being something that makes people like it introduces people to your brand that you know makes people you know interested in what you're doing and positions you as an expert but not in a really kind of like hey it's all about us way um you need to think about people who are you know if we go back to um the like to, 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 to cupcakes. Um, yeah, there are people who are at the bottom of the funnel who are searching for, you know, I want 12 dozen red velvet cup- cupcakes, please. And, you know, you want that's, you know, your, your really targeted um, audience. And then you've got people who are maybe considering cupcakes. So then you want to be thinking about, you know, comparison pages, you know, what kind of cupcake is is right for you, people who are are looking for cupcakes um, and who are considering that. But then you've got people who, you know, might not really know they want a cupcake. They might be planning a, a party. They might be... I know, looking for cheap presents to give people and a cupcake is actually the solution. Um, so you need to start thinking about ways that you can, again, in a really relevant way, talk about um, cupcakes to people who don't know that they want cupcakes in a way that is like positioning and talking about things that are in their sphere that they are thinking about, but that isn't containing the word cupcake anywhere or icing potentially, um, in the main keyword.
0: I think many listeners, after listening to this episode, will go off and buy a cupcake, funnily enough. (laughs) I don't know if you're (laughs) trying to put that idea into their their heads or not. So So your final reason was, if you're really struggling to find topics to write about, you're probably not being strategic enough.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is a difficult conversation to have with yourself, to maybe have with your team, to have with whoever you're working with. If You, if you're, you know, you've got your content writers there, if you've got your content managers there and you're all sitting there going, but that content's not really relevant, um, that, oh, that we, we wrote this blog and it's not ranked for anything, but it's a really good blog. Like we all know it's great. Our writers are amazing. Um, or, you know, that, that blog's got a thousand visitors, but we've not made any money off it whatsoever. Um, you then need to think, okay, well, we're not writing the right kind of content, um, or you know, it you need you need to really take a step back and think about and get a bit more data-driven in where you're coming from. So what I would always suggest is, you know, don't just think about you know, keywords. Think about, you know, your customer. So if you have these departments in your company, if you've got a sales team, go and talk to the sales team and say, okay, can I... What were people talking about to you? What were their pain points today? What are the things that are really coming up in Q4 that, you know, you you are using as a hook and what are people saying back to you? And, you know, using other people and using other people's experiences and then being able to understand, you know, what what things are we not missing? What might be a little bit out of the box or also taking it kind of a little bit more product-led maybe and thinking, thinking right you know what we actually do need to talk about our product more and that isn't maybe as exciting as we wanted or it isn't as bells and whistles right now the bells and whistles can come later you just need to really get under the skin of what you're offering to people and what people are searching and kind of don't leave any stone unturned when actually trying to find those subjects
0: so let's finish off with the pareto pickle so pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts what's one SEO activity you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort
1: um i definitely did a plot spoiler earlier for this one and um, those prizes i think it's internal linking um if you just look at the internal links on your website and look at your most important pages and see that they don't have that many internal links or the internal links are a bit rubbish and um, that's probably one of the reasons that they're not ranking so take the time to look at that optimize the existing internal links see if there's any internal links you can build that are relevant from any existing pieces of content and then you can start you know knowing that you need to build those internal links and that can inform the content strategy strategy that you're going to build.
0: Great advice. Well I've been your host David Bain. You can find Eilish Hughes over at tugAgency.com. Eilish thanks so much for being on the In search SEO podcast. Thanks David. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com